Hey Siri, how can people spread the word about this podcast? First, go on iTunes and rate the Wake Up Call podcast five stars. Then, like the Wake Up Call Facebook page and share the content with your friends. Remember to check out the Men's Ministry Facebook page as well. What are some ways the listeners can interact with us at Wake Up Call? You can post all of your questions on the Wake Up Call Facebook page, and you can also email them to Dan Foote and Justin Morgan. Hey Siri, does size matter? Good question. You'll have to listen to this podcast episode to find out. LOL. Okay, I'm going to tell you right out of the gate, this podcast is unlike anything we've done on Wake Up Call before. I mean, my vision from the beginning centered on story. I wanted to share the stories from the men who call Flatirons home on this podcast, and I wanted to talk to them and hear their stories and be encouraged and challenged by, by what God's done and is continuing to do in their lives. We all love a good story, right? And every man has a story. But I want to be upfront with this one. This podcast, it isn't story-driven at all. It's pretty straightforward, nuts-and-bolts stuff, which makes me snicker talking about being straightforward and nuts-and-bolts stuff because, well, I'm a juvenile, and today's podcast is all about sex. Seriously, though, there might not be anyone's personal story in today's podcast, but for some of us, we might be able to see areas of our own story in it. Today we get to hear some real truth about sex and manhood and being man enough in the bedroom. And maybe we are even given some helpful information that will cut through the lies and half-truths that the world is cramming down our throats today. When it comes to being man enough, one of the biggest areas of doubt and insecurity is found in the bedroom. And even though the book and magazine shelves and the airwaves and our computer screens are chock full of anything and everything sexual, there's still so much misinformation and misunderstanding surrounding what a healthy sex life looks like and how to live out a godly, mutually pleasing sexual relationship with your spouse. Now, we talk a lot about sex and relationships and what God wants out of us in those areas. We talk about a lot in this podcast. God is very clear about what he wants and expects out of us as Jesus-following couples. And he's even included some great sex stuff like the Song of Solomon. I mean, listen to this. Your breasts are like fawns, like twin fawns of a gazelle. Your stature is like that of a palm, and your breast like clusters of fruit. May your breast be like clusters of grapes on the vine, and your mouth like the best wine. Now that's from Beloved, or the husband, talking to his wife in Song of Solomon. And then listen to what she tells him. Blow on my garden, that its fragrance may spread everywhere. Let my Beloved come into his garden and taste its choice fruits. Yeah, that's in the Bible. Now today's podcast, while it may not be as poetic or metaphorically driven as the Song of Solomon, I'm hoping that it will at least be as honest and forthright as Solomon was and 
and maybe a little more direct about the blowing of the gardens and the drinking of the best wine. Today we've got Dr. Jim Taylor and Dr. Chris Liu with us to pass along their sage medical advice and help for being man enough in the bedroom. Man enough sexually, this is Flatirons Men's Community Pastor Dan Foote, and this is Wake Up Call, the Flatirons Podcast for Men. So, um, we're doing this podcast series called Man Enough, and looking at the struggles that men have, the questions they have about being man enough. My man enough, you know, emotionally, physically, spiritually, and sexually is one of the key things. I had a conversation today with someone who will go unnamed, but someone within these offices where they're saying the two two main things are: Am I man enough sexually? And am I man enough financially? He said, that's basically the two main things with men. That's what they deal with. And so we have brought our two favorite doctors in uh, to talk about sex again. We're going to talk about the reality that every man carries this doubt inside. Am I enough? I mean, you would agree, right? I mean, I think that every every man I've talked to, if he's being honest and open, will say, yeah, there's some part of him inside saying, am I enough? And then you move into this area when you're talking about being sexually enough, there are, there's lots of questions. There's lots of doubts, lots of fear, guilt, shame, all this stuff that kind of in a package. So let's talk about this. I'm going to just dive right into the big question. Doctors, does size matter? <laughs> That's the big question, right? I mean, you always, you hear this all the time. You know, it's a big, like for men, it's like, yeah, well, size matters. And then this is the thing that you're hearing. You'll hear this in media, in movies, television, where women are saying it matters. So my question to our medical experts, does size matter? Who's going to go first? Jim gets to go first. He's older. <laughs> No. <laughs> Very, can, can you extrapolate? Could you enlarge? I mean, get, you know, make, make that bigger? I mean, I mean, if, if the only function of uh, sexual intercourse was to procreate, then, then it might matter. But given the issues that I'm sure we'll get into as far as um, foreplay begins long before you enter the bedroom – and a lot of the other issues as far as intimacy goes, um, size doesn't matter because the goal is to satisfy your wife. Yeah. And there's more to it than just the size of your penis. Okay. Yeah, so um, completely agree. Uh, the answer is no, size doesn't matter. Um, yeah. And so there have been actually a lot of studies looking at this, trying to you know uh, survey women to answer this question. Um, and universally, when you, when you look at the literature, um, it, it's true. Women don't. Uh, talk about size as making a big difference in terms of how satisfied they are. And that's just a simple fact. And so, you know, it, the answer is absolutely no. And Dr. Jim is absolutely correct that, you know, there, there's a lot of things that go into uh, to sexual activity um, and size just does not play a big role. And now you can actually say that the medical literature, the evidence or the science behind it also agrees with that. Right. So what in this process, what does matter then? If size doesn't matter, what is it that does matter 
meaning that in satisfaction. Because we're gonna, I'm, I'm gonna ask some questions that I already know the answers to. But I think this is an area that men are afraid to ask. This is going to be probably one of the safest places for some men to work through this because they can listen to this podcast on their own. They can, you know, <laughs> and hopefully we can give them some tools to help. Uh, but if what is it about? I'm going to let me get to this. What has propagated this whole thing about size mattering? What, where do you think that comes from? I think in a in a situation where it's hard to, you know, it's hard to deliver measurables. You know, right. <laughs> no, <laughs> pun intended, I guess. Yeah. There's going to be lots you know, of that in this. Yeah, podcast. that's right. That's right. Um, might as well get that out of the way. Yeah. No, but you know, in all honesty, I mean, it, it is one of those things where it, it is a lo- lot of locker room talk. Uh, and it's uh, something that, well, you know, you can compare sizes. It's not, there's so much that goes into this. And there's so much that, that's individual, that's very personal in terms of what feels good and what doesn't. And so instead of having a more involved conversation, it just kind of reverts to, you know, the lowest common denominator, which in this, in this case would be size. Right. So let's, let's, um, let, let's dig into this a little more. Size doesn't matter. <clears throat> Um, and if a husband is seeking to please his wife, I'm going to say that's, you know, hope, hopefully we got some men out there that are not just looking to, you know, satisfy themselves and move on. Uh, one of the healthiest parts of a marriage can be that mutually, you know, respondent spouse who's looking to satisfy the other. So, if size doesn't matter, what does matter in in satisfying your wife? I don't mean yours, Chris, or yeah. Jim, but I mean, <laughs> let's just, in the plural sense. No. no, a lot of this advice really does have to be, you know, general because, you know, again, a lot of this is specific to the couple. Um, but, you know, I, I think Jim and Scott have talked about this, you know, on stage before, this idea that, you know, your wife is... Uh, having sex with the person that she's experienced over the last 12 hours, right? Right. Uh, and so to start from the very beginning, I mean, it really is, it comes down to emotional intimacy uh, connection uh, with your spouse. And, and it really does, you know, begin there. Um, one of the common themes that you'll probably hear Jim and I talk about, uh, you know, during this podcast is truly just open communication. So open communication that starts obviously outside of the bedroom and then open communication also inside of the bedroom uh, to have an idea of what it is that your wife needs, not only sexually, but also just, you know, in life in general, in terms of support, uh, what she needs in the house. uh, And then that also then moves into the bedroom in terms of what she needs in bed. Right. Yeah. Jim, Dr. Jim, you mentioned something in in the video for the one workshop uh, that I'd I'd like you to kind of revisit that, which is, and you touched on a little bit ago, the the whole idea that foreplay begins outside the bedroom and that this whole idea that a lot of times men were microwaves and our wives are slow cookers. So if you could kind of if, if, kind of delve into that a little bit for us. It doesn't take, uh, especially when you're younger, it doesn't take long for your microwave to heat up. Um, you know, we're push the button, we're ready to go. Whereas women, there's, no, there's a dial and you have to preheat and, and then you have to reach the right, reach the right temperature and then um, it goes from there. 
I really like that analogy because um, we're ready to go at all times, and it doesn't take much to to set the microwave in action. Um, and as I've said before, I, I, you know, women would prefer that we had an, an additional thirty second button, but we don't. Um, but they they are um, just take some while to heat up, and it doesn't take them doesn't take them long to shut down. Yeah. So there was a, a book or something written called Sex Begins in the Kitchen. Mm-hmm. And it's because, you know, are you helping out with the kids? Are you helping out cleaning the dishes? Are you vacuuming? Are you taking care of her as a person? That's what starts the intimacy. The sexual act is just a part of that intimacy. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I heard this years ago, and I really did take it to heart. And I think it came from Focus on the Family. And it was some of the best foreplay, but happening in the in the kitchen. Some of the best fore, foreplay happens when, uh, in your wife's mind, when she sees you doing the dishes, or when she's especially. This is the thing that that when she sees you playing with her children in a loving way. Now that what becomes difficult is <laughs> we don't want guys just like look, I'm doing the dishes, you know. So now. I, am I going to get some tonight? Or, uh, but just the reality, to me, this is about engagement. Your wife needs to see you engaged in her life, needs to see you engaged in your life and home, whatever that looks like, whether it's, there's kids involved or whatnot, helping her out, making her life easier, um, and what that does, because there is much, there is a much more, I mean, there's a much greater emotional connection, right, with women. And I don't want to. I don't want to use these like broad stereotypes, but there's a lot of this stuff is just physically true too. But women are much more engaged emotionally. The sex act includes all this emotional stuff, and so men, on the whole, we can. We could be in the middle of a fight, and if she were to drop her dress, we go, okay, the fight's over, right? It's go time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, it really is. Uh, you know, one of the thing about uh, one of the things about men is that we're often goal oriented. You know, and so to yeah. your point, you know, I'm going to do the dishes, and this is going to totally pay off. Score. Uh, yeah. <laughs> or I'm going to do the laundry, and hey, look. Um, but it it is kind of like this shift in your mentality where, you know. Your why are you doing the dishes? Why are you folding the laundry? Why are you playing, you know, w- with your kids? And and you know, instead of like kind of like that payoff in the end, uh, these are some of the things that you do because you know you're serving your wife, you're serving your family, uh, and you know this is all interconnected. It, it doesn't necessarily always have to end in sex, but it is one of those things where when you're serving your wife and you're serving your family, uh, sex is a natural result of that. Yeah. Um, but it, it you know it also goes back to. Well, you know, when are you giving your wife a back massage? You know, are you giving it to her, you know, because you're expecting sex or are you just giving, you know, giving your wife a back massage because she needs it? And, right. you know, if sex happens, it's, it does, or if it doesn't, it doesn't. Yeah. And that's just part of this, this change in your mentality where I'm going to serve my wife. Uh, and, and that's just, that's part of intimacy. Let's, <clears throat> in, in dealing with this, the sexual, the physical side of sex, Let's delve into just some of the actual biological pieces of this. Um, I think with men, 
again, depending on your age, I'm just going to be honest. When I was 22 years old, uh, you know, a, a good breeze made me feel good. <laughs> uh, you know, just age, age kind of tempers that. Um, but as far as it, it doesn't take us much to become aroused as men. We're pretty much back to the microwave. We're kind of locked and loaded, right? But women are not. So let's look at that. Let's talk about the actual physical parts of satisfying a woman. Where does it begin physically? Not, I mean, we're move, we move beyond the emotional stuff that, yes, you, you need to be a loving, attentive, selfless husband if you want to have a healthy sexual relationship. You know, and not that there's going to be bump, there's going to be bumps in the road, but to have this healthy emotional and relational relationship with your wife. Now let's move into the bedroom. I I want to satisfy her. What are the steps I have to take to make that happen? Yeah, and Chris has yep. turned it over to Jim because <laughs> Jim, you and Peggy have been married for how many years? Thirty five years. There you go. Thirty five years. Yes. Part of it, so there there was a book written years ago about uh, five love languages, and yeah. it got, talks about different things. Yeah, Gary Chapman, we give that out at the uh, at the one workshop. Oh, yeah, great book. There should someone needs to write a book, the five sexual languages or the twenty sexual languages or something, because um, women are going to like or want different things, and so to to Chris's point earlier. You need to communicate outside the bedroom. You also need to communicate inside the bedroom. Mm-hmm. So if the goal is to please your wife, there's no way that you can please her unless you know what she likes. So some of the things are kind of intuitive, but the biggest thing is to you, have— You don't know how much I'm editing myself right now. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. I'm glad you're— <laughs> I'm trying to be really good on this podcast. Yeah. Well, my mind goes a thousand miles an hour too. So, <laughs> um, so really, it's it's um, I've heard it described as uh, a Lego a Lego box. You buy the Legos. There's a cool picture on the front. You open it up, and it's all just pieces. And it's up to you to put it together in the way that it should go. And you hope it kind of ends up like what's on the the picture. But mm-hmm. you've got the freedom to experiment and try different things you might like better. So there's a lot of the stereotypical things that um, myth, legend, and lore says women like, but your wife might not like that. So the, its key is try different things and um, even even have the freedom to talk during the 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 sexual uh, encounter in the bedroom. Yeah. To say no, I don't I don't like that. Um, rather than go through with it and just and and because if nothing will shut her oven down quicker. Um, than doing things that she just does not want to do. Right. Uh, yeah, I completely agree. You know, to address the uh, elephant in the room here, I think, you know, when you have any exposure to pornography, you get mm-hmm. this really distorted view of what turns women on, what they should be doing, what you should be doing. Right. And it's just so unrealistic and it's extraordinarily geared almost all pornography towards, um, it's just male dominant, right? Right. Uh, and so, uh, you know, what Jim was saying about communication is that, uh, and it's, it's weird sometimes to ask about some of these things because a lot of these topics, 
you know, either you know, a lot of us aren't trained to ask these questions mm-hmm. or to talk about them openly, but you have to do it. Uh, even you know, even if it creates some amount of discomfort when you're talking about it, but um, that's what's important is to know. What are your turn-ons? What are your turn-offs? Right. Uh, one of the things that we know in, in you know, long-term monogamous relationships is that the desire part uh, does start to go down over time. And that's just a natural effect of a mm-hmm. long-term relationship. But the arousal part, when, it's, when, when you're getting going, it's, it's, it's still go time. And, and that's, that's the good part about this. But then you also have to know, what is it that makes my wife happy, that makes my wife feel good? Right. Uh, and then you can kind of start that just so that, you know, again, you can kind of get the ball rolling, get the train moving. Yeah. So there are erogenous zones on our bodies. Um, let's, let's talk about those. Let's give some guys, let's give guys some help here. Yeah. Yeah. So, we, we, uh, there, men, there's a friends episode about this. There are like two, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think there are only two. Yeah. Um, and you know, again, we're going to speak mainly, you know, in generalities because it's yeah. just, it's so hard, but, um, and that's the thing, uh, there, there are more than two erogenous zones, uh, and but it, it is going to be different uh, depending on um, depending on the person, mm-hmm. uh, and so you kind of have to find them. And this can be fun. This can yeah. be something that's enjoyable uh, is to find them. And, Treasure hunt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I think you know a lot of this is that you know um, is also you know good communication, but it's also a reminder to take your time. Yeah, you know, um, th- this is a gift. Uh, and it's, you know, you can approach it as, you know, ripping a present open and, you know, right. uh, as quickly as you can or unwrapping it slowly. Uh, yeah. And that's the only way you're really, really going to find out. Yeah, you. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, so many analogies that are so terrible. Just like, yeah. I'm much better at opening up gifts now than I was. <laughs> When I was when so, I was twenty one, so you do get better with age, <laughs> yes. right? Yeah. So this yeah. is something that I don't just, know about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There, there, there is something to. I will say this: there is something to age in this process. Meaning, when you're young, uh, everything just it does. It's 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 still new. You want to you want to do this. It happens quickly, and then as you age. Um, there's just a little, you, you allow a little more time for things to, to happen. You know, one of the things with uh, one-time sexual encounters uh, is that the sexual satisfaction is always lower, right? Yeah. And so there is something to a long-term relationship, knowing what somebody likes and doesn't like because that's been hashed out, which yeah. means that your experience can be better, and that's the beauty of all this. Yeah. Okay, so again, I'm going to go back. Let's talk, we're talking to two doctors what are some thing, What are some buttons to push to help these men? Like I'm, I'm trying to think of that guy, that young, young married couple. They're new at this, uh, still relatively new, or they got brokenness involved in this. A big part of what men deal with today, Chris, you already touched on. Pornography has so just tampered with the sexual relationships in people's lives today. So to get them to get a to get a young man to think about his wife, because if she's satisfied, he's going to be satisfied. Um, how do we help them walk walk us through some steps to to, to get there? So to be scientific and yes. to prove that I really did go to medical school and graduate, <laughs> yeah. 
And I just passed my boards again for who knows how many times. There you go. There you go. Good job. Yeah. It's nerve endings per squared centimeter. Okay. So just look that up and you'll be fine. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you have your homework, men. So so an example is um, our, our anatomies are, are pretty similar um, as far as the way that they're structured with blood flow, nerve endings, and everything else. So a, a man's scrotum... It has the same amount of nerve, nerve endings as the the woman's labia, mm-hmm. um, and what's interesting is it also has very almost the exact same amount of nerve endings in your entire penis versus their uh, clitoris. So it's a highly sensitive area. And then when you think of other areas, um, lips, earlobes, um, back of the neck, those once again the the design is those are the highest area of of sensation. So those would be the areas that if I were to say to somebody, okay, start here and then go there, those, right. those are the areas that I would tell them to um, to go to. Yeah, you know, one of the things is uh, to, again, you know, don't go straight for the goal uh, <laughs> and, uh, to you know, to, again, take your time. But, yeah, even, you know, good rule of thumb is even moving from, you know, head and then work your way down uh, is is uh, not a terrible terrible piece of advice. Okay. The other thing uh, that we should bring up, just you know, speaking scientifically, is just that to keep in mind, and this is important for a lot of men to understand that women, uh, there's a high percentage of women who cannot achieve an orgasm through sexual intercourse alone. Yeah. Okay. And so it depends on the study that you read, but it, you know, some studies report up to fifty percent of women can't have an orgasm with just with with only sexual intercourse. Right. Uh, and so if that's something that uh, you struggle with in your relationship, it's a one number one is some reassurance that it's common. Okay. Uh, and it's just because of. A lot of times because of the positioning of the female anatomy, including the clitoris, Mm -hmm. you know, and the position of that. And so to keep in mind that, um, that women sometimes will need something more than just sexual intercourse. And that's totally normal. Uh, and again, something that's really dependent on the person. Right. This gets back to the communication piece too, right? Um, Jim and I are basically the same age. He's just a couple years older than me, but just just a couple. You had to say that, didn't you? I did. <laughs> but I've been married one year more than you. We, Amy and I've been married for thirty, going on thirty six years. Um, and the uh, the communication. So if if you are not communicating with each other, you're not going to know this. Um, or, and I'm going to say how. That's not you guys aren't here to talk about the relational stuff. How do you get the wife or how do you get the husband to talk about this kind of stuff? But this this idea of fifty percent of the women cannot achieve orgasm through vaginal intercourse. So what do they do? You know, and and this is where it gets kind of tricky because I'm going to say there are people that use toys, right? There are people that, you know, whether it's manual stimulation of the clitoris um, or whether there's toys involved to make that happen. But then you have, that's an awkward conversation if you've never had that before. Yeah. Um, have you guys had any experience with that with patients? Not that we're going to, we're not going to break any HIPAA laws. <laughs> well, well, personally, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, you know, with this whole theme of, being man enough, 
you have to have man enough. You, you need to be man enough to have the conversation. Yeah. You know, um, because again, this goes back to serving your wife. You know, mm-hmm. uh, and this is part of serving your wife is uh, to do everything that you can for her. Um, I think it's really important with this concept of am I enough? And if we use a, a, a toy or a vibrator, uh, does that make me inadequate? And I think it's really important to address the fact that, no, this is extraordinarily common. And you're just being man enough to make sure that you're doing everything possible that you know how to do with good communication, with a sexual toy, with manual stimulation, with oral stimulation, whatever it is. Right. Uh, that, that that's you know, your job. You're going to step up. And you're going to make sure that your wife is happy. And if these are the things um, that um, that make things better, then you got to go for it. And right. there's nothing wrong with that. You're only you're only a failure, or you're not man enough if you're not choosing to serve your wife. Yeah. And and in the bedroom and and everywhere else. So so with your family, you're only qualified to lead to the degree that you're willing to serve. So if you really want to serve her, you're gonna ha- you're gonna ask those questions. Yeah. My wife and I attended a marriage seminar, and that was that was your homework for the night, was to literally go back to the hotel room and and talk about things more than you do things. And um, it was a time saver for me because there were some things I was always doing that was just like, yeah, whatever, you can skip that. <laughs> oh wow, um, yeah. So so it was just, and it's like, oh, I thought she really liked that. Um, I liked it, but um, <laughs> so so from that point on, I fine, I'll skip it and and. Once again, you're, you're trying things out, and the only way you know they work is if you have conversations. Yeah. I remember when we filmed the one workshop, which is probably, what, four years ago? Uh, when you guys came in and we did that. Um, and when you made that statement, Chris, that, that 50% of women cannot achieve orgasm through vaginal intercourse, that was news to me. I mean, as far as like, wow. I didn't realize it was that the number was that high. And there's something I think there's a lot of for a lot of men to hear that. I'm gonna say that's good news. Going, oh, it's not me. <laughs> it's not me, it's her. Um but but to 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 now look at the lay of the land and then go, this is what I need I need to do something different. I need to add something. We need to talk about this. And yeah. I think the other thing is to, you know, again, guys are totally goal-oriented. We have a goal (laughs) that we're going to hit, you know, or reach when we have sex. Um, And we definitely project that onto our wives as well. And so Mm -hmm. uh, the other part of being man enough, was I man enough to give her an orgasm? And that isn't going to happen every time, Right. right? And so... Uh, and again, there's statistics that are built around all this, but I can tell you that's not a hundred percent where um, you know women have an orgasm with every single time they have you know sexual intercourse. And so it's also important to understand that there is a closeness and a, a sexual and emotional intimacy that goes along with having sex, and it doesn't always have to end in an orgasm, yeah. right? Uh, and there are different things that that go along with that for women and men, but more so for women. Because it depends on what's going on in their lives, mm-hmm. uh, what medications they're taking, what they're dealing with. Uh, and I mean, sometimes even if they've had alcohol or not, it can change all of that dramatically. And so to, to understand that um, it is important and you can get your wife actually to have more orgasms through good communication, through knowing what 
she likes and what she doesn't like, um, but to understand that it, it doesn't always have to end with that end goal of orgasm. Right, right. Now, there's other stuff, too, meaning that, I mean, I've had conversations where there have been problems with folks in the bedroom where there's like probably a medical medical reason why there's problems. Can you just kind of, can you guys kind of deal with that? Kind of share what are some of the issues that can be there that men need to again communicate and talk through? Is there, honey? Do you have? Is this what's the problem? There there could be pain or whatever. Could you guys kind of expound on that? From the from the man's side, there's several different uh, issues that could come up. Some just common diseases. So if their thyroid is low, if they're diabetic, um, e- even if they have really high blood pressure, those are things that the um, the erection that men get is just a physiologic uh, blood pumps into three different sets of muscles that makes it tight, and then after ejaculation they deflate. So there are medical things that can eva- a blood vessel things, um, nerve ending things, those types of things that can cause problems where it, it just the equipment isn't working. So everything in the head is fine, but the equipment isn't going there. There's premature ejaculation, Mm -hmm. which is, once again, it's just the way you're built. And there are things that can be done to fix that. So uh, the best thing to do is is to talk about it and go get help because there, especially now, even if you have to resort to some medications, there's some really good medications that That uh, help with with uh, premature ejaculation. Exactly. Okay. What, What are some things they can do outside of medicine? Uh, what, what are some what's some help you can give some men that struggle with that? Breathe, breathe. <laughs> yeah, I, you know it, it's one of those things where non medically, uh, you know, without using a drug intervention, uh, breathe when you're having sex. That, that that you know a lot of times can actually help because it calms you down. And a lot of this is kind of due to the fact that your muscles are just so tight mm-hmm. and you're anticipating a lot. And part of you know the body's you know, ability to relax is is really centered around your ability to just breathe normally and just calm yourself a little bit down. Yeah, yeah. Make every muscle relax except one, and that it actually can be done because it doesn't take a lot to get that one unrelaxed. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, some some other issues that could be making their way, and um, I'm going to say. For men trying to help their wives, you guys, you I mean, I'm sure there's some medical procedures that could happen maybe uh, for women that experience pain during sex. That is an issue uh, for, for, for folks, some folks out there. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the major things is you got to ask, you know, and, and if there is pain involved, um, a lot of this is probably going to end up in a doctor's office just to get an exam. Yeah. Um, there's certainly plenty of reasons that you can have pain w- with intercourse. Um, you know, a common inflammatory condition is called endometriosis, uh, which can cause pain with sex, um, but you have to be examined for that. Uh, STDs can cause pain with sex, but again, you have to be examined for that. Right. And so um, a lot of this is just, again, this, this open communication of, is this painful? And is it something simple, i.e., we don't have enough lubrication, right, which is probably one of the more common causes of pain during sex? Mm -hmm. Uh, Or is this something that we just need to talk to our doctor about? But 
again, having that conversation yeah. and being willing to say, okay, well, maybe we should go see a doctor about it just to make sure that everything else is going okay. Well, let's talk about what we see all the commercials about. You know, I still, still can't figure out why these middle-aged couples need to sit in separate tubs uh, for Cialis to work. But uh, let's talk about erectile dysfunction because that is an issue with, with a lot of men out there. Um, what causes it? You know, what, how, how do you handle that? How do you deal with, with, with erectile dysfunction? Other, is there other things other than medicine like Vi- Viagra and Cialis? Yeah, you know, um, there's obviously everybody knows now. And one of the great things about Viagra and Cialis is that it actually helped us, you know, as physicians start a conversation because sure. now it's, it's everywhere. So that, that actually, uh, that helped. But, you know, Jim alluded to, to this before, this idea of even high blood pressure and cardiovascular disease is a common cause of erectile dysfunction. And that's really where the drugs are able to kind of help improve blood flow uh, to the area and, and help you achieve an erection. You know, you want to make sure that, the you know, if you're taking medications, those medications can also cause erectile dysfunction. Mm-hmm. Uh, antidepressants are probably, you know, one of the big offenders when it comes to decreasing somebody's libido. And this goes for men and women, right. uh, but can also play a part into erectile dysfunction. Psychosocially, you know, what's going on in your life? Uh, is there an emotional component to this? Uh, and so it's easy to throw a medicine at it because that's a quick conversation. And it right. can certainly help. Um, but to make sure that all, you know, a lot of these other things are are um, are in check, uh, you know, whether it's medications or what's going on in your life. Jim? So the other commercial you hear a lot, a lot about is low T and the men's clinics and all those, those right. other places. And so having low testosterone can be a contributor, but, but uh, mo- for most younger guys, that's not it. There's mm-hmm. something else going on. I would say that most of the time when, when guys come in and see me, it is something psychosocial. Um, so as f- physicians, we always explore the other things first. So we're going right. to check their blood sugar and their testosterone and all these other things. But then, and it's kind of nice when they come, we'll suspect that it's something else. But we always rule out the the physiologic causes and then that's great because then it gives us, you know what, all this is normal. Tell me, how is, and then you start launching into your questions, and that's when they'll open up. Because most guys just, um, we're not as, um, we don't share as easily as women do, and especially with other guys, and especially about how well you function sexually. Yeah, yeah. So the, so the men's clinics basically just check for and treat low T, and then there's also an injection they give that, once again, from a physiologic standpoint, Increases the blood flow to the penis and um, causes causes it to get erect and stay erect for a certain period of time. But even with that, if you don't have other things going on, um, it's it's so you have an erection, but then it's what you do with it. Yeah. So I okay. I just have to ask this: What's wrong with an erection that lasts four hours? <laughs> Pain. Okay. <laughs> And this is <laughs> Jim will tell you it's this is a, uh, <laughs> we, Jim's coughing. Um, we will return to your scheduled programming shortly, or we are currently experiencing technical difficulties. Yeah, this is definitely you know these are people go to the ER because of this. Yeah. <laughs>
Oh. Uh, you can't go to work like that. No, but uh, <laughs> the the biggest issue is that you know th- this is a medical condition called priapism, uh, and if it does last for four hours, you know, or longer, it, it is. I mean, pain is a big issue. Okay, uh, and it is something where. Yeah, you do. I mean, as embarrassing as it is, this is actually uh, you know something that we see in the ER relatively commonly. Really, you know, not not all the time. And what's it called? Like, a Prius? Prius. <laughs> it's a hybrid. Yeah, it's a hybrid. <laughs> no, it's, it's a, a priapism. Priapism. Yeah. Priapism. Uh, priapism. Yeah, and. Um, but uh, you, you know, in, in this case, you do want to get it uh, medically handled because obviously uh, it can be unbelievably uncomfortable uh, and, and needs to be addressed. Okay, I just I had a buddy back in Texas. He's just, <laughs> if I have an erection last four hours, I'm calling everyone. Right? <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so that makes I seriously, I've always wanted to know because I was like, you know, if you have an erection last more than four hours, contact your physician. It's like, <laughs> what's the problem? <laughs> you're you're knocking over glasses. You're <laughs> it's too much stiff competition. Yeah. <laughs> Justin had to get a pump. Yeah, yeah. I mean, eventually you might want to go play sports or something, and it might get awkward on the yeah. field. Yeah. Okay, um, let's let's end on this. Looking at this idea of man enough and the sexuality uh, side of this, meaning that the struggles that men can have in in feeling man enough in that bedroom. Uh, what are some, well, I would say, for both of you to kind of end this podcast off or to, to wrap it up, what, what are some, what's some good advice just to throw their way um, that you haven't already shared or, 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 or have we hit it all? I would say that if you haven't um, burst out laughing in the middle of having sex with your wife, you're, you're too uptight. Because you'll try different things, or but what happens when she laughs? <laughs> I'm sorry, God. <laughs> you know, so the the point is, Song of Solomon does a really good job at at um, probably giving um, a little bit better analogy than what we've been giving. Yeah, but it talks about you know your wife is a garden and enjoy the fruit and climb the trees and and all these other things. And the point, the whole point is to have fun and frolic. And like I said, if you haven't, you know, laughed or had some kind of comical moments during sex, you're you're not you're not climbing the trees and yeah. picking the fruit and all those things that uh, Solomon said. Yeah, yeah, that's really good advice. I mean, this is supposed to be fun, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and so, you know, my advice is that not every sexual encounter has to be mind blowing sex. Uh, and if that's your goal, just like Jim said, you're probably way too uptight to understand that your wife chose you uh, and mm. everything about you. Uh, and so, you know, you're enough. Uh, and it's your job to be in there, to have fun, um, to make sure that uh, you're doing everything that you can for your wife, uh, to make sure that you're communicating with her about what you want, uh, and to really take a lot of the preconceived notions that we have from sex, whether, you know, that we are inundated with from media, from television shows, to movies, to porn, and really, to a certain extent, throw them out the window. Yeah. And just, you know, find out what works for her. You don't need to worry about pleasing a porn star, you know, or anybody else. You only have to worry about your wife, uh, and that's enough. And, uh, and, uh, if you ever kind of feel like you're struggling with something, 
you know, remember that you're not alone. And sometimes talking about this, obviously with your wife, uh, but even sometimes with other men or your doctor, uh, mm-hmm. that, can, that can be really important. Okay. That's great. I see so many marriages, so many relationships today where sex has damaged or there's struggles. And a lot of it is a lot of the stuff you're talking about, media, porn, all that. But one of the beauties, too, for people to see, to hang in there, to understand, to grow together. I heard someone uh, kind of explain it this way, that it's like dancing. It's like learning to dance. And you start off and, you know, some of us, you just have two left feet when you begin. And But then when you stay with that partner and you learn, you grow, and it becomes a beautiful dance in the end. Uh, you know, I... I there's something beautiful, and Jim, you can speak to this. We can. We there's something beautiful to having sex with the same woman for thirty plus years, and what you've grown and gone through, and to encourage the younger men to go. I, you know, that's what I want, and and I just got to tell my kids they probably don't want to listen to this podcast. <laughs> All right, thank you. Yeah, I would. I would agree, Dan. Having been married thirty five years. Some of the um, exploding orgasms that, you know, the fireworks start and everything goes off, that doesn't happen as often. But we both enjoy, um, my wife and I both enjoy sex a whole lot more than we did 35 years ago. It's it's so, um, it bonds us, it's enjoyable, it's mm-hmm. just, it's it's that true, that true intimacy that you can share when you've um, stopped worrying about being man enough and just serve your wife. Yeah. And you don't have to worry about kids walking in on you. No, but we've got grandkids now. Yeah. <laughs> Please lock the door. Yeah. Lock the door. It's the best advice I can give you. Yeah. I'll be honest. I wish I heard and knew some of this stuff when I first got married. Good godly advice for how to create a loving and satisfying environment in the bedroom. I mean, don't get me wrong. It was a lot of fun discovering a bunch of this stuff over the years, but we were so naive at the beginning that we could have used some help. The truth is, back in 1981, when my wife Amy and I got married, there weren't, at least to our knowledge, there weren't any Christian writers or speakers talking about this stuff, honestly. There was still this element of shame and embarrassment and reluctance when it came to talking about one of, if not the greatest earthly gifts that God's given us. We can see in James 1.17 that every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. And sex is a gift from above, from God, given to devoted married couples to enjoy with each other. God made us this way from the very beginning. He hasn't shifted. He hasn't changed his mind on this. He feels the same way today as he did when he created us because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Are you having some struggles feeling man enough sexually? If you'd like to confidentially discuss this topic a little more, shoot Justin Morgan or myself an email. We'd be more than happy to try and help. We're back to normal next week. 
we'll hear my friend Chris Rayburn's story and his journey on the road to feeling man enough financially. Chris is the man behind Summit Integrated Systems, the folks who make the auditorium experience here at Flatirons and at countless other churches as amazing as they are. So let me just ask a deeply personal question you don't have to answer. Have you forgiven yourself in that? No. Why can't you forgive yourself? That's a good question. This is Dan Foote. Now, go have fun in the bedroom. And I'll see you next week on Wake Up Call, the Flatirons podcast for men.